I V M. Welcome to episode 37 of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. I'm your host for this week, Ashwin, based in Toronto this week, actually. If you can hear the slightly elevated levels of enthusiasm in our voice from all three of us this week, it's because as we record this, it's just a few hours after India has just won the first test against Australia down at the Adelaide Oval. So really, that's what we'll spend the bulk of this episode talking. Joining me this week are DJ in London, as usual, and Varun in Singapore, as usual. So gents, thank you for joining me. Let's jump straight into it. India just wrapped up a 31-run victory, so I'm going to just first ask for some overall thoughts before we dive in and get specific. So Varun, 41 for four on day one, the three of us were exchanging frustrated messages about how, well, we're so excited, we build up to this series for weeks and months, and then day one, the same thing happens. How are you feeling now that the first test has gone in India's favor? I'm feeling very relieved. Um, I think the start we got was a bit uh, shocking, and uh, it wasn't expected from us, so I think just... Uh, you know, Ravi Shastri said at the end of the day that it was actually foolish cricket and they made their way back from that. So, a lot to be said about day one. But I think just um, just as we are going into discussing the test, I think India made the right call because they, they kind of realized that in overseas tours, their bowling is doing much better than their batting. And so, that extra batsman was brought in. Strategically, the right move. I think, um, to be fair, I think Rohit's innings in the first innings was great. But uh, what was shocking for me is almost every wicket that fell for the first five um, Indian wickets, we were just kind of like trying to guess which shot was worse. So, um, it, it wasn't a great start, but I think for me, Cheteshwar Pujara, man, what a standout performance. Just stood there and just said, I am going to bat all day and uh, absolutely phenomenal. Awesome. And so, you, you covered a lot. We'll jump into it in a little more detail. DJ, overall reaction? I mean, I think... You know, for those of us who after the first innings felt, like Varun said, the batsmen didn't bring their A game. You know, the truth is, we lost a lot of close games in England and a lot of close games in South Africa. So while the series didn't go our favor, a lot of the games were close. Is a 31-run victory when you're sending the opposition to bat fourth, chasing 300-plus? Is that too close for comfort? I'm just too excited, guys. The last time we won in Australia was, that I can remember, was in Perth. That's nearly a decade ago. I, I mean, one run, 31 runs, 131 runs, it literally makes no difference to me. I thought it was a fantastic performance after being on the back foot in the first session. I'm still I'm still shaking, I'm still buzzing. I think I'm just too happy that India have won a test match in Australia. And, I mean, we think of Adelaide, right, from 2003. It was 15 years ago that Dravid cut the ball through cover and uh, off Stuart McGill. But it feels like yesterday, and I mean, this is just momentous, it's huge. And somehow beating Australia in Australia just gives you the satisfaction that nothing else quite gives you. So, I'm, I'm just too happy about India winning. Awesome. I think, yeah, our listeners can probably sense that tone from all of us. So, let's jump in and dissect a little bit about this first match and sort of implications for the rest of the series. Varun, you touched upon this briefly. India's batting early on, 40-something for four, 86 for five. So you agree it was the right strategic call to bring in the extra batsman, but it didn't quite pan out the way you would have expected, right? When really you're reliant on one guy in both innings. So walk us through that. How does how does Kohli talk to the boys now in the dressing room when the batting failed yet again except for one guy? I think it's quite simple to me. I think the team has to understand very clearly that you've got to give the first hour or the first two hours of the day to the bowlers. 
see them through. Don't play the rash shot. Don't chase the white ball. I think we saw a lot of wickets falling to literally the white ball edge caught in slips or gully. Um, and so what I would say is a little bit of patience is required. Um, from my perspective, I think Shaw would walk into this team. So, uh, But what I read recently is that he still may not be fit for the second test. So I think um, I think they will stick with Vijay and Rahul. I think it's fair. I think uh, these two guys need to bat it out a little bit. Um, I'll just quickly talk to the rest of the lineup. Pujara, standout. I said it earlier in the show. I think uh, superb shows his value. Um, almost like to me, he is he is like a Dravid type uh, stature now. He's he's hit the similar number of runs in similar number of innings. It says a lot. Kohli himself, I think, uh, again, let, let's talk about the positives, right? I think Kohli's second innings, 34 run uh, of 100 and something balls, was, again, extremely good. A lot of people are saying it's almost as good as a century because clearly this wicket was not that easy to bat on. From what we were hearing commentators say on day one and two, um, I think everyone acknowledged that this wicket was not that easy to bat on. I'm glad Rahane found his own. Everyone's talking about dropping him, not dropping him. I don't see a replacement for him. So, like we said earlier in the show, I think number three, four and five is quite set. For me, Rohit Sharma, guys, I think we need to... Yes, we should be critical of him. There is no doubt about that. Uh, his shot selection was poor. The second innings was set up as a platform for him to come in and give us that 375 runs that we needed, which we fell short of by 50 runs. So, I do blame Rohit Sharma a little bit from that perspective. But let's not take away that his 37 in the first innings was extremely crucial with Pujara on the other end. I think... Again, being fair, I don't think he deserves to be dropped on the basis of this one performance. And, and that's typically how Indian cricket has worked. Um, lastly, from my perspective, Pant. I think that guy needs a lot of time. But I think India is going to invest. India needs to invest in him. Um, he showed some of his kind of calibre with that quick 28, which again got us over the line of 300. But, um, but yeah, man, from my perspective, that extra batsman is crucial. Great. Thank you. Awesome summary. DJ, let me ask you two questions about things that Varun mentioned. The first, he said Shaw walks into the side for him. Who does he come in and place for? And I'm specifically asking him because I know you've said Rohit, we should think about testing Rohit at the, the top of the order. So let's talk a little bit about that one. And then the second question is Pant specifically. You know, He had that 18 run over of Nathan Lyon, and then he got off the next ball he faced of Nathan Lyon in the next over. But was that was that an important turning point in the match because Nathan Lyon got shaken up a little bit? Or was it just reckless and great he made 18, but we need a batsman at number six to be able to score 40-50 plus? So let's start with Shaw and Rohit at the opening spot. So I don't think Rohit is going to open. I think Rohit will continue to bat at six uh, for India. Just because it's a specialist position and um, it's difficult for a middle-order batsman in the middle of the series to uh, come in at the top of the order. And India wouldn't tinker with something that's that's worked. That said, I think KL Rahul is under pressure for his spot. When, when, when Shaw is fit, uh, I think Rahul is going to, unless he scores a big score in the second test, he's going to come under pressure. Because Vijay, uh, yes, he... He didn't score those many runs. In fact, he scored less runs than Rahul in the course of the test. But it's the manner of his dismissals. Rahul flashing to a wide one in the first innings and then again trying to hit over the top in the in the second innings when he got to 44 or so, when he just kind of needed to settle in and, and get on with his uh, innings. So I think Rahul will actually, funnily enough, be under pressure uh, going, in, uh, going into the third test when I think Shaw is meant to be fit. Rohit, I don't see him opening the batting. I 
long maintained that he's not a person who's got the cricketing brain to bat at six. And we've we we had a poll actually on on Twitter in which I think there were sixty odd uh, votes, and we said, "Is this the end of the road for Rohit Sharma after he got out for one in the second innings?" And uh, opinion has divided about him, right? And it's because he he promises so much that it frustrates the fans, I think. Because, it, I mean, th- there's a couple of things there. One, I think we need six batsmen. And we saw the value of that six batsmen in the first innings where Rohit got 37, which promised more. But, I mean, that 37 in the final analysis of things was absolutely crucial. Now, whether Rohit gets them or Vihari gets them or somebody else gets them, I think the template is still there for six batsmen and four bowlers plus uh, Pang. But... Rohit getting out for one in the second innings, I think it triggered a lot of people again. His shot in the first innings triggered a lot of people again to get out hoiking across the line when your team is um, kind of struggling for runs. Um, and getting out to line in both both innings, I think it just shows a lack of understanding of cricket and cricketing now. And it's very it's very weird because he's such a good batsman. He's technically great. He's a one day great. I mean, there's I don't think there's any arguing with his numbers. But the ability to understand a match situation in test matches is something that he just lacks. And it's frustrating. Yes, you've heard me call him Roshit and all of that stuff before. But it's because he's... You can see the talent. You can see the technical ability. I mean, that, that shot he hit over cover of Kamin was just insane. He's just smashed one of the quicker bowlers over over uh, extra cover for six. And he's pulled him for six. So he's got all the shots. He's got... I mean, he's got time to play his shots. He can play the ball with bounce. It's just understanding how the match is... Uh, understanding match situation. But coming back to um, whether he should open the batting, I think the answer to that is no. Um, and coming back to whether he would play the next test, I think we have to just give him a, an entire series now that we've played him. We just have to give him the whole series, give him the full run. And as I think I said on, on Twitter, if he scores less than 300, so be it. He, he needs to go then. That that that's that's my two bits on Rohit. So yeah, before we before we continue on, Varun had something to add, but I would I would think just it's an interesting observation, having been doing this show for some time now. That you know, while earlier we were calling for changes in the side when a player didn't perform, or after one test we would have probably been frustrated. I think the reality is most Indian cricket fans who watch the game as much as we do have probably started to come to the realization that, like you said, we still need to give the batsman a full series. So if we didn't agree. To choose uh, on selecting Rohit at all, that's one thing. But now that we've selected him, you know, I don't know if I would say the full series, but give him at least one or two more games and give the individual the opportunity to, to perform because then you can at least, if they don't and you drop them, you say, hey, you got a fair shot. So, Varun, anything to add on the, the opening and Rohit situation or was that pretty much it? Yeah, I think that was it. I think the only other thing I wanted to add is um, I think Rohit's fair. All of us kind of agree give him the series. I think for KL Rahul, VVS Lakshman actually explained it very well. I don't know if you all saw that video. But he basically just said that um, he's been following KL Rahul's career. And he's a technically sound batsman. He's a technically correct batsman. But this is a classic example of where T20 cricket has just ruined a, a player. And I tend to agree with that. KL Rahul has no idea how to build his innings anymore. He has no idea what sort, sort selection to play. He did all the hard work in the second innings. He was setting it up... Um, for, for a big score and played a loose shot. So, I think, yeah, I, I think KL Rahul is actually going to be the one under a little bit of pressure compared to Murli Vijay when Shaw comes in. And um, let's not forget, man, Murli Vijay, I don't know how many overs he bowled, but he bowled quite a few overs and I don't think he bowled that badly. 
So if there's a rough, um, yeah, man, it it seems like Murli Vijay might have an edge just because he can bowl five seven overs. Interesting. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about that fifth bowling option, and I didn't personally expect it would be Vijay, but it makes a lot of sense. DJ, just as we wrap up the batting or the bat batsmen, at least, I want to talk about the batting of the tailenders later. But as we wrap up the batting, Rishabh Pant, you know, looks like he got off to a couple of starts. I didn't, you know, in the first innings he didn't really do much. In the second innings he made 28 of 16 balls, I think it was. So is 20, 25, 30 runs enough from a number seven wicketkeeper batsman, or do we live in an era of Bearstow and Butler and Tim Payne and some of these batters, these wicketkeepers, who you should expect more runs out of? I think the context in the first innings, he got a good one from Nathan Lyon. And I mean, I'm not sure there was much more he could do. I think he got 25 um, or so in the first innings, if I'm not wrong. Um, and in the second innings, I mean, I think his brief was just to go out there and smash it. You saw him come down, I think, first ball, try and hoik it over, long on, and then, then he went over again. And then he took uh, 18 off Nathan Lyon. And I think it was just to kind of accelerate, push push the pedal. Um he still had Ashwin uh, to come into bat. Rahane was still there. So, I think his, he was given a brief to just go out there and, and smash it. Which, I mean, 28 of 16 in the final analysis, it got the Aussies down a little bit. I mean, it was a hot day. Their, their best bowler was being um, hit around the park. So I, I don't mind it. I mean, I, I think there's more to come from Rishabh Pant. I think he's more than what we see. He's more than a T20 smasher. Someone who just comes in, uh, slogs a few for six and then gets out um, in a silly way. I think there's more to come from him, but I think in, in the context of the game, I, I didn't mind his innings of 28 of, of 16 very much, to be honest. Fair enough. Okay, Varun, last question on the batting. I said that was previous one was the last one, but there's clearly so much to cover. We haven't really spent a lot of time talking about the player that ended up being the man of the match, and that's Cheteshwar Pujara, right? I know you felt really excited about it, but let's remind our listeners, this is the same test team, same test captain, and same Cheteshwar Pujara, who was come, who came under a lot of fire earlier in 2017 and 2018 for strike rate, not showing intent, not you know, being able to pick up the quick singles and just score the runs and get the scoreboard ticking. At the same time, he's the only guy who performed in both innings for just context, 123 at a strike rate of 50 in the first innings, and it was 71 at a strike rate of 34 in the second innings. Just how crucial is that guy? And do the Kohli and Shastri and what DJ mentioned, the T20 nature of this BCCI and the Indian administrators, do they understand just how valuable he is now? I think they are beginning to understand. I, if I remember correctly, he was dropped in South Africa for one test. Um, or in England, right? One of the two. He was dropped for one test. And I think Kohli and Shastri got a little bit carried away with this whole intent game, right? Intent is a very broad term. Um, I think uh, what what you what realize if you look at data and analysis is that very few games, test matches today, are actually going till the final ball of the fifth day. So what I don't understand is what's the rush? Um, yes, you, you will have all types of players, but you, when you have a player who kind of anchors the innings, and everyone else backs around him, including Kohli, um, I, I think it's a huge asset to have. And if you ask me personally, I think Kohli and Chelsea have realized that over the last six months, that, uh, that, that, that you can't change everyone's game. And, um, and, and again, look, we have had the unfortunate situation of the openers getting out early. So here's a guy who's walking in, who's blocking the ball, 
and uh, you know what i really like about pujara is his ability to accelerate um, towards the end of his innings he he starts most of his innings at a 30 strike rate if you look at the first innings he's ended at 50 i mean come on yeah guys 50 strike rate in a test match where you're 40 for 4 is damn damn good it's it's phenomenal if i had to say if i if i could use that word so I, I think it's great. I think he's an asset. He has to play. Sometimes I wish, you know, what 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 if Pujara opened? Would that give us a little bit more leeway in the batting lineup? But you know what? He he deserves to say that I don't want to open. I want to bat at three. I love it. I 100% agree with everything you said. Exciting to be able to have this kind of a batsman who's a, a you know classical Test match specialist who. I think he just would walk into any side in world cricket today, and we're extremely fortunate to have him. All right, guys. Lots to dissect. Again, you can hear the enthusiasm in our voices. It's been a long time since the three of us saw India win in Australia. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll we'll be back just in a few minutes to talk a little about the lower order and then the bowling of the Test match and a couple of other things from the world of cricket. So we'll be right back. And now for a message from this week's sponsor of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast, Anchor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When the three of us started on this journey, we really didn't know where to begin, but the solution was all in one place: Anchor. It's free, it's easy, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. You can record, you can edit, and best of all, they'll distribute your podcast everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, you can even make some money from your podcast by recording ads just like this one. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thanks for listening. Here's a message from this week's sponsor of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. Beach too sandy, water too wet. is a comedy podcast featuring siblings Christine and Alex who read one-star reviews they can find on the internet of anything and everything written by real people with not so real problems from bad reviews of grocery stores in Ohio to strip clubs in Vegas Alex and Christine read you some of the worst reviews in the most dramatic ways possible you can listen to this podcast on Spotify or any of your favorite podcast apps you can also find them on all social media platforms at beach to sandy thanks for listening All right, welcome back to the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. If you are just joining us, All right, welcome back to the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. If you are just joining us for any reason, we have been spending the the, the first few minutes of our show talking about the India Australia Test Series where India has just famously gone 1-0 up. Lots of time in the Test Series to go. Arguably the grounds get less and less friendly for the Indian batting lineup. But before we talk a little bit about the incredible bowlers, DJ, I want to come to you and ask a little about the the lower order batting. So, let me pull up the the number. India was 303 for 6 and ended up at 307 all out. So for the last four wickets fell for four runs in India's second innings. Australia in their second in second innings were 156 for 6 and 291 all out just missing their chase by by 100 by 30 odd runs. And that's 150 runs. More than half the runs were added by the bottom four players, including Pat Cummins, 28 off 121. So certainly not. Oh, and Hazelwood, 13 off 43. Slow strike rate. Certainly not slogging. Just grinding it out for their team. Does this Indian lower order have what it takes to grind it out when we need them to? I think it's um, it's a difficult question to answer. I mean, our tail kind of just gets blown away every time we've seen in the in the recent past because we do have a long tail. After Ashwin, you've got uh, Ishan. Shami, Bumrah. I mean, they're they're not proper batsmen. We used to have Bhuvi in there at one point, who could hold a bat. But it's I don't think it's a lack of application. I just think it's a lack of skill. I mean, Ishan can probably block a few, um, but he doesn't really score many runs. It's um, Shami just comes and I mean, he's kind of brainlessly swinging at the ball usually. 
Bumrah is an absolute bunny in the old kind of uh, tail end of mold. So, and that's why, I mean, when Rahane, you saw Rahane get out to a very strange reverse sweep as well, because I don't think there's any confidence in the lower order. So, I think one of the things India need to really look at is get that tail-enders. When I, when I say tail-enders, I say it in the old-school meaning of the term, not the English meaning of the term where you've got Sam Curran and uh, all these other guys who come in and pretend to be tail-enders. The old-school Courtney Walsh um, type of uh, mold of tail-ender where they just need to get into the nets and learn to eke out a few runs and bat for the other person at the, at the crease. I remember even in England, uh, Jadeja was batting really well at the Oval um, and Shami was with him. And Shami just couldn't resist it. He just had to hit the ball uh, in the air to long on. And Stuart Broad just took a catch, which I mean was shocking. Jadeja was 80 odd. I mean, all he had to do was block one ball in the over of Moin Ali, which he can't do. And um, it's it's poor. I think India definitely needs to look at um, strengthening their middle to lower order almost, is what I say. And this kind of brings me back to um, what I mentioned previously. Uh, I think it has to be. Bhuvaneshwar will probably get a look in at some stage just because the uh, bowlers seem to be not contributing enough with the bat, funnily enough. Varun, do you agree with that point of view that the reality is these three lower order batsmen or the, the fast bowlers we have are basically old school tail enders? Like when Venkatesh Prasad and Srinath used to go out to bat, we had no faith. So the one time they made 15 runs, it was a cause for celebration in the 90s. Do you think Bhuvi should get a look just for his? batting or do you think at after your seven down bat, let the batsman be batsman and let the bowlers be bowlers yeah so i think i think let the batsman be batsman um i think you're playing the extra batsman for this reason i think everyone's aware that you know once you're seven down the you're probably going to add a total of 10 runs so it's fair look these guys have done very well with the ball taking 20 wickets consistently overseas um so so, so my personal view is i think if you're if if you're not Winning the game um, with your batting up to number seven, the last year not going to change it for you. I wish we had the the Pat Cummins and Stark type or the Sam Curran type. We don't. It's a reality. We need that extra batsman, and that's why the team selection is such. Is Irfan Pathan still available? I wonder if he can still play Test cricket for us. Yeah, I, I, I keep seeing his videos on Instagram. I think he's bowling pretty well. Actually. Is his Instagram Insta game at Pandya level, or is it not quite there? No, the style is not there, but I, he definitely posts a lot more relevant cricket videos than Hardik Pandya. What fun is relevant cricket videos? Make his, make his debut in 2003. It's 15 years ago, man. In Australia. Yeah. And he's still playing. But, but not playing anything of much importance, unfortunately. All right, guys. We spent a lot of time talking about the batting. I want to spend some time talking about the bowlers for these two sides. I've, I tweeted this before. I've said this on the show before. It is beyond belief for me still, even though they've been doing it consistently, like Varun said, that India is winning matches, test matches, because of its pace bowling. When its batting fails and spin doesn't quite deliver what you expected. So, DJ, let me come to you. Both bowling lineups had a similar composition, right? Three quicks, one off spinner. And then a few overs from a from a batsman who couldn't really bowl very well. Is it fair to say that from a spin standpoint, although Adelaide was spin friendly and there was a rough, that Nathan Lyon pretty clearly outpolled uh, Ravi Chandran Ashwin? I think you have to say that the, the figures tell the story, right? Lyon took six wickets in the in the second innings. Um, Ashwin took three for ninety-two, I think. Um, and Ashwin bowled well. I mean, he did, he, but he. He didn't kind of do what we expected him to do on day five, right? Which is, I mean, it's disappointing having seen him bowl at Southampton where the pitch helped him. 
having seen him bowl here i mean he bowled well i, I wouldn't say he bowled badly but the um, ease of blowing away a batting lineup i mean the way he does it in india it just wasn't there and that i think was quite disappointing from my perspective given how how lion bowled and how well he bowled and how difficult it looked to bat against him i was expecting ashwin to uh, kind of clean up with the wickets a lot more and be more uh, involved but he looked like he was bowling almost to stop the runs and let the fast bowlers have enough rest to come and take the wickets which i mean eventually it worked so no complaints there but 52 overs uh, for him i think for three wickets was on on a turning track where where nathan line is taking six wickets just on in a, in the third innings was slightly disappointing so big question for you that i will come back to is you know you and i have debated a little bit about the merits of who should get that spinner spot so i'm going to hold on that and come to that at the end as to who you think should play that spinner's role for the rest of the test matches varun let's talk about <coughs> excuse me let's talk about the seamers incredible bowling performance i mean i didn't have the luxury to be able to watch the final session on each day just thanks to time zones but although the numbers spoke really highly of all three of the quick bowlers for me it feels like bumrah was the one bringing his a game and taking those critical wickets when it mattered most i think he dismissed head in the first innings uh, he dismissed marsh in the second innings actually i'm lying shami dismissed head in the first innings but bumrah got both uh, tim payne and sean marsh in the second innings which both of who were looking like they could chase the total down so thoughts on the three quicks overall Yeah I don't think Bumrah has a B game. I think Bumrah only has an A game. He doesn't know what else to bring. Um absolutely phenomenal. They, they say that I mean people are saying that Bumrah really the surface doesn't matter to him. He he shows up um and and he 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 bowls that line in length that nagging line in length. So Bumrah by far has suddenly become this best Indian pacer. I think Ishan Sharma has a very clearly defined role. Um you know he he, he he his experience especially in australia i think will count for a lot i mean that first wicket of aaron finch in the first over of the the game was just amazing to watch he actually had aaron finch again but it was a no ball so i think ishan sharma's experience will count bumrah's bowling really well shami to me is the workhorse right shami is the guy who's just needs to come and keep bowling on the other end especially when you have only four bowlers so i'm actually quite happy with this team um and the bowling performance I think yes I think as the as as the games go on it will be a challenge and I think Shane Warne said this right it's a long summer in Australia four test matches can these four guys carry out um, and and play all four games I'm not 100% sure and that sure that's where it may come down to the question that you were asking about the the spinner So that's a, as good a time as any to to pivot and talk about it. I mean, I, the only thing I wanted to add quickly on Bumrah is I can't remember the last time I got, saw a guy take such a short run up with a couple of you know jump steps in it and still clocked 150, 151 kilometers an hour. Just unbelievable. And there were a couple of deliveries where there was batsman was done in by the extra pace. So really, really good to see that he's able to keep working on fitness and driving that. Okay, before we wrap up quickly about the India Australia test match and there's a couple of non-cricket related topics on the test match I want to ask about. But DJ, we India goes to Perth I think it is for the second test in about 3 days time. What are they going to what's the playing 11 going to look like? I think they're going to go with the same playing 11, the same combination, especially Ashwin. And just to come to your point, I mean we've dis- debated Kuldeep versus Ashwin, right? I'm just looking at his figures right now. First innings he took 3 wickets. His economy was 1.67. Second innings again th- took three wickets, and his economy was 1.74. So it's how 
Kohli sees the role of his spinner. Does he see his spinner as an attacking option or does he see his spinner as someone who can control the runs? And I think Kohli is quite a conservative captain. He likes to put his fielders out to deep point and kind of control the runs and, and not let the opposition get away. And, and I think that that is the role that Ashwin has played with great success in this series uh, so far. But um, Kuldeep is much more an attacking option. He's someone, he's a risk spinner. He could go for runs, but he could basically clean up and, and pick up five wickets and, and wrap up the uh, innings quite quickly. So I don't see India making any changes. The one thing I just wanted to add very quickly on our performance here is um, what is significant is that we have won a test match without without Kohli making a big score. And I think that that bodes very well for this series. I mean, all the talk before this series was about Kohli, right? And everyone was focused on Kohli and there was uh, that tweet about his net session and the ball going off his bat like a rocket and this and that. And, I mean, he scored three in the first innings out to a fantastic catch by Asman Khwaja. And then he scored a, a very patient 34 and more of a Cheteshwar Pujara kind of template. Uh, but India winning without Kohli, those are good signs for Indian cricket, especially abroad. Awesome. Varun, let me ask you the same question I asked DJ. Do you see any changes to the 11? And let me add quickly, it feels like we're being maybe a little more critical about Ravi Ashwin than we have to because Bumrah took six wickets and so did Ashwin. And Ishant and Shami in the match took less than six wickets, I think like four and five respectively. So are we being a little overly critical? And what do you see the 11 will be going into Perth? So I don't think we're being overly critical purely because Ashwin on this pitch should have looked as threatening as Nathan Lyon. There were points where you were just like, what is he bowling? Why is he not turning it? Why is he not pitching in the rough? So I think Ashwin sometimes, you know, sometimes you can be too smart for your own good. I think he's um, he's a very smart individual. And I think that might actually be causing some of the problem because he thinks he's going to bowl better or bowl different or bowl faster or bowl slower. Every ball, like Nathan Lyon, just, it was unbelievable. He was just pitching the ball in the same place every ball. And people like Rahane had no clue for a long time what to do. So, I, I'm, I'm going to say that I think um, the same 11 will play. I think there is no space for Kuldeep to come in, even though I genuinely believe he could clean this tail up um, much quicker than, than we we, uh, we did for this test match. Um, I also think, you know, Jadeja, I think he deserves a go, right? Especially if you're looking for that second spinner. But again, the weakness of the team is the batting overseas. And, and that's why I think the, the team will stay the same. So, do you, do you not see Perth... Uh, India playing another bowler in Perth, maybe uh, a quick bowler in Perth, given the history there. It's a new ground, yes, but apparently it's quite a quick ground, lots of bounce and and stuff. But you see, you still see Ashwin playing at Perth, Varun? Yeah, I still see Ashwin playing at Perth. I think you need that one spinner, and and yes, uh, your bowlers will have to work harder. But I think um, I think especially in a Perth where it's going to be bouncy and not easy for the batsman, I think in that situation you need that extra batsman. And let's not undermine Bumrah. I mean, Bumrah bowled 24 overs in each of the innings, while Ishant and Shami bowled around about the 20 mark. So, def- Kohli definitely feels, given fitness reasons, he can toss the ball to Bumrah for more overs. I think Ishant and Shami will be the ones after the second test match to see if their fitness holds up for the third and fourth match. But I think they get more than a week break between the second match at Perth and then the Boxing Day test, of course, at the MCG. All right, a couple of final questions to ask. We're a little over time, but these are interesting things to chat about. So, DJ, let me come to you and ask a little about the umpiring. 
one of the things Kohli has said in the aftermath of the match is that while the rest of the 10 out of the 11 players in the dressing room were celebrating, Ishant Sharma was being incredibly harsh on himself. And when asked why, he mentioned that, you know, as a senior fast bowler in the squad, I need to get better control of my no balls. And while we won this match, getting a wicket on a no ball and bowling other no balls as well could be a turning point in the future. So let's talk quickly about the umpiring decisions in in this series they missed they failed to call a whole bunch of no balls but also there was a, i don't remember that i don't know the stat on me but at least four drs overturns thoughts on that overall dj i think yeah, I thought- uh, dj before you start i think that was yeah. just ishan's way of saying that he's the senior bowler of the team kind of establishing it <laughs> but he is i mean he's on his fourth tour of australia man he's ancient he, what, what, 2008 2011 uh, 2015 and now he's on his fourth so he is actually the senior statesman of the bowling attack but he's only what what is he 29 30 or something like that but uh, i mean i think nigel long had a shocker he had uh, four decisions overturned on review some of them i mean they were they pretty shocking decisions where the Ball was nowhere close to the bat. I think Pujara had two overturned, and then there was, um, I think India had got one given out, and then it was overturned. And also the number of no balls that have been missed recently. I think it's been in the news as well in in the England uh, Sri Lanka series. I think maybe been Sandakan, who basically bowled about 15 or 20 no balls which were not called, and he, he kept getting wickets of no balls, and, and they those would be checked, but. Everything else would not be checked, and that's another. People were saying that's another 25 runs in what would have been a, a close game. So I think the there's been quite a lot of chat about this on Crick Buzz as well. People are like, this just needs to be called by people um, sitting with the. I don't know. Maybe technology just needs to develop so that you have something that just goes gives you a beep when the bowler oversteps, or something like that. But the umpires are not looking for no balls unless there's a wicket which I think is problematic in a number of ways either you change the rules and bring it back to the back foot rule which is easier for the umpires to spot um, or you have help help of the field but I think Nigel Long had a, had a bit of a shocker he had quite a Buckner-esque test I think we said um, and thank God for DRS and some people were saying um, they missed the days where uh, you could make fun of India because they didn't use the DRS but thank God there was a DRS because potentially lots of game-changing decisions, right? Pujara, Rahani, those are people who got 70s in the in the second innings for India. And I mean, um, uh, Pat Cummins as well got runs for Australia in the fourth inning. So I think DRS has improved the game, but you'd expect a higher level of umpiring it at this um, at this level. Yeah, absolutely agree. So, thank you for joining us today. Lots of going on. I want to quickly summarize a couple of other interesting things that have been happening in the world of cricket. The first is Pakistan and New Zealand wrapped up their three-test series, and thanks to some absolutely brilliant captaincy and batsmanship from Kane Williamson, New Zealand ended up winning and in what's Pakistan's home ground at the UAE, or home territory at the UAE. So, this is right on the heels of England beating Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka. New Zealand has beaten Pakistan in Pakistan. After a couple of years where we said, hey, home ground advantage in test matches seems like it's insurmountable. Let's hope India can keep up the momentum, get a second win on the board in Perth, and then go in with a little bit of a tailwind into the final two test matches. The women's big bash league... Do you think think we're going to uh, keep our lead? Because the last time I think we've led abroad was Lords in 2014 and in South Africa. And both times... We've ended up losing those series. So, do you think we're going to be keeping our lead, or how how hard are Australia going to come at us in Perth, Ashwin? 
Yeah, I, it's hard to say. I think there's, there's certainly no reason to believe it'll be easy. I think the Perth match will be tricky. I have a s- sneaking suspicion that Australia will take it in Perth based on the ground. And if I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm Tim Payne or Justin Langer, I'm talking to the groundsman right now, talking about how it needs to be a little bit more of a wicket that's friendly for the Australian side than it is for the Indian side. So I think they'll level up the series, but I, but I hope uh, India will be able to take it before the fourth test ends. So just to continue my wrap-up, so as I said, New Zealand defeated Pakistan. The women's big match league has started as well. Uh, I think Harman Preet Kaur had a, a beautiful 50 in that one. Lots from the world of women's cricket and Ramesh Pawar and the conflict that happened with Mithali Raj. So unfortunately, we didn't get to cover it today because we were far too excited about the India-Australia test match. Join us again next week. I think we'll either be back right in the heart of when the first test match is on or we'll join you right after it's done just to give an update similarly like this. DJ and Varun, thank you for joining. We will be back in about a week's time and hopefully India is continuing to do well in Australia. Thanks so much. Hello, 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 everybody. It's been another great week on the IBM Podcast Network. On What the Hell Navya, Jaya Bachchan, Shwetananda and Navya herself dish out stories from their childhood. They discuss tough love between parents and their kids. On Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Baman Irani, President-elect Kredai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shad Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a padyatra. On The Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on The Filter Coffee Podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi, Senior Ambassador of the TEDx Program and Curator of TEDx Gateway. They discuss the origin story of TED and its franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVM Podcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya, and on our show, Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcast from.